You are listening to the Success Life Live with Eric G. Reed. Living your life of success is possible, and this is where you will get a deep dive into the mindset, habits, and routines that will let you build your life of success, starting now. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Success Life Radio. My name is Eric Reed. I get to be your host today, and I'm really excited to share with you this little thing about decision-making process or how people make decisions. What I hope you will find is once you begin to understand the decision-making process, and there's going to be five different styles or programmings, you'll begin to be able to understand those around you and maybe yourself a little bit different so that you can communicate and connect at a higher level. And actually communicating and connecting is a big part of what living a life of success is all about. It's that idea of being fully engaged in everything that we do by being intentional about how we do things. And by understanding these five basic principles or decision-making programmings or whatever you want to call them, you're going to be able to be available to connect at a higher and deeper level, which will raise your quality of life and your business and your relationships. So if you're ready to get started, I'm ready to get started. Pull out a pen, paper, notepad, whatever you got to do so that you can take some notes and get your learning on. All right. So today we're going to talk about the, the five different decision-making patterns that I've noticed and that have actually been supported through study. And it sort of goes along that line of why do some people react so differently to the exact same message? You know, why does one person see the glass as half empty and the other see it as half full? I, I see this experience often in my life where I'm the optimist, I'm the dreamer, I'm the big person thinker. So, you know, an empty garage doesn't mean that the car was stolen. It just means that we've got more room to dance tonight at the party kind of thing. Um, but yet on the other hand, somebody else may react completely different. And what I want you to understand is that the most inspiring message, the most insightful thought, the most intelligent critique are absolutely meaningless unless they're understood both emotionally and intellectually by the person who is being addressed. So as a parent, as a team leader, as a coach, as a mentor, as a teacher, as a faith leader, if you're not connecting both emotionally and intellectually you're really not connecting because the understanding that that internalization isn't happening. So by knowing people's decision-making programming and their way of processing information and their patterns for sorting out the world can help you communicate in a way to which they will respond. They will move. They will be inspired. They will take action. So here are some of the patterns or decision-making patterns, and information processing patterns. I hope you can identify and then begin to utilize. So the first one is that toward or away. Now, toward or away. Here's a test question that you can use. When you ask people, what do you want in your job or in your product or in this moment, toward people are motivated by the desire and pleasure. It's sort of the, oh, wouldn't it be great? They're moving towards the event. 
shoulders up, chest out, eyes vision forward. The away people or away decision makers tend to be motivated by fear and pain. Now, not one, let's, let, let's put this up in front, and I don't want to have to repeat it, but listen in. One is not better than the other. One is not more successful than the other. They are simply different approaches, all five of these, to the way they process and sort out information. And thank God in our house, we kind of have one of the away people, because they're always the one that kind of reminds me that not everything can be safe and easy and happy, that we need to be cautionary. And so the toward person, again, moving towards the object, the, the away person moving away from the pain, away from the uh, displeasure. So how do you motivate a towards person? Well, the easy way is to describe the goal, describe the award, describe the moment in the sun, so to speak. To motivate an away person, you need to eliminate the negative as much as possible. And the way you can often do that is instead of telling them that, well, that's just never going to happen, you're crazy, don't think like that, blah, 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 show what will happen if they don't make the decision. Well, if we choose not to make this decision, if we choose not to act, here is the potential hardship, harm, penalty, cost. And so you're, you're, you're sort of creating another negative, but it's a controlled negative in the sense of, you know, I understand that you're somebody that moves away from pain. So instead of allowing the pain to be manufactured by you out of fear or self-doubt, I'm going to manufacture a possible scenario that if we don't take action could be painful. So therefore you'll take action to avoid the pain. And that's the towards and away. The, the second one is the internal versus external frame of reference. So the test question might be, how do you know when you're really good at something? Or how do you know when you've done a job well? Well, the internal people will look at themselves to make the decision. They'll sort of like say, well, based on, and they'll, they'll internalize the feeling. The external people will look to others. They'll say, well, according to my peers, according to my reviews, according to the awards, according to everything outside of me, all of the energy, all of the light, all of the fame and fortune and likes and happy moments that I'm getting, tell me I'm doing a good job. Tell me that I'm doing the right thing. Like I said, the internal person will say, well, I felt pretty confident. I did the following research. I did my homework. Based on last year and only getting an eight and this year getting a nine, I feel the internal I, external excitement, energy outside. So how do you motivate the internal people to find out what's important to them? Or I'm sorry, how do you motivate the internal people? Find out what's important to them. Find out what they identify, how they determine that they've done a good job. And then provide that opportunity for it to exist so that they more confidently sort out the world around them, make a decision to act, knowing that if the action is taken, that they will be awarded, rewarded, recognized according to their internal systems, not the external. Now, to motivate external people, just use testimonials, statistics. Give them data that shows that they've been liked, you know. 
hey, look at this. You got 27 likes on that last post. Clearly, everybody's liking it. You know, as a podcaster, sometimes I feel like I'm both internal and external. You know, I know when I when I spoke well or presented with passion and interest and energy because I can feel it. But I'm also sometimes externally motivated by people following and liking and sharing and commenting. So help me on the external piece. How's that? You know, just give me a few likes, a few shares, a few comments, a few whatevers, so that I can know that the decision I made to do the podcast every day is working out. So there's a real life example. Um, The third thing is possibility or necessity. So when making a decision, when trying to sort out the world, when trying to make use of information that comes to us, the possibility and necessity, the test question might be, mm, why did you choose your present job or your present product? Or tell me what brought you here today. Like, I want to know how you came up to where you're at, what you're doing, how you're here. Because some people are motivated by the possibilities in the situation or the product. Others are motivated only when they see the necessity of buying into it or buying it or participating. If somebody says, well, you know, I've never played golf before and I've seen these clubs on sale and I'd really love to buy golf, you know, play golf. So I bought them. Okay. You're a possibility thinker. You don't even know where a golf club, you know, where a golf range is. You don't belong to a golf club, but you just went out and bought golf clubs. Okay. Possibility thinker. Whereas the necessity person might say, well, you know, I was looking at the, the situation and after careful review, it seemed like in order to make it to the next level, grow to the next thing, whatever, it was necessary, we needed to, blah, blah, blah. And it's always somewhat of a cost analysis kind of conversation. The cost of not doing it was bigger than the cost of doing it. So therefore, I went ahead and did it kind of thing. So how do you motivate possibility people? Show them what can we do. How do you motivate necessary people or necessity people? Show them what they have to do. To motivate possibility people, show them what they can do. Necessity people or based on necessity, show them what they have to do. And so if you don't do this, in the future, it will be necessary for you to make this decision, make this change, make this altercation, cost this much money. So often when I'm working with clients and I, and I sort of find out, oh, okay, you're a possibility thinker. Okay, if we go ahead and make those phone calls, do the job, finish the dream, write the book, whatever it is we're working on, think of what you're going to be allowed to do next, where it's going to take you, what it's going to open up for you. And when necessity people, I'll say, in order for you to get to where you want to be, this is the next step you must. And I'll outline that if you want to go where you want to go, this is what you got to do. So let's get this done. All right. Number four is the, the matcher or the mismatcher. And so the question might be, what is the relationship between these three things or these four events? Now, matchers are looking for sameness or how things are alike. Mismatchers focus on how things are different. Now, what I mean by this and how this plays out is there are people that look for patterns, and sometimes they will create a pattern that doesn't exist simply because in order for them to sort out the world, make a decision, and move forward, they got to find that matchy. they got to like, this leads to this to this. Or in order not to make a decision, not to move forward, not to interact 
because this, this, and this all happened. Therefore, this is going to be the result. Therefore, I don't have to make a decision. Mismatchers sort of see things more as individual events, and they don't always connect it. Just because it's snowing and I lost it, my job doesn't mean that every time it snows, I'm going to lose my job. They see those things as two separate events. Matchers will say, every time it snows, I lose my job, so therefore, I should quit or move to a place where there is no snow so I can stay employed forever. Got it? So how do we manage um, the two types of mismatchers and matchers? And what do they want and how do we motivate them? It's probably a little bit of the most complex group, but let me try and break it down. So matchers seek sameness. So to motivate them, relate your product or service to something positive in their past experience. So didn't you enjoy that? This is the next level up. So clearly you're going to enjoy this. Wasn't this helpful? So therefore this will be equally helpful because it comes from the same source, the same place, the same thinking. What I do is I go back in the past and I find something that had a positive impact, a positive energy, a positive thought to them. And then I relate the current product, the current service, the current decision, whatever we're at in life to that. And I show the connection again Remember that mismatchers don't necessarily have to, I'm sorry, matchers don't necessarily have to have logical matching. They just simply need to be able to match it up in some way. And then sameness with exception, even if three and then the fourth doesn't line up, show them the sameness and then point out that this is the exception, but it still follows the general rule. To motivate them, show them how your product is the other thing they need in their experience to move their experience to the next place. And so what I mean by that is sometimes I'll say this, this, and this is work. And this is the one thing that though it's not the fourth step, it's the third and a half step that we need to take to get to the fourth step. Now, mismatchers are about polarity to motivate them, tell them to do the opposite of what you really want. Sometimes you'll say, you know, if you don't do this, or um, what I really think most people would do is this, but, you know, then you could always do that. They're going to always go with the always could do that. They don't want to always to be in sameness, in averageness, in commonness. They're going to keep on trying to build out to the next level sometimes. And then sometimes mismatchers by counterexample, they like to, to sell them. I, they like to be sold based on giving them counterexamples before they have a chance to ask. Like, well, you know, you could always do this, but there's always this over here. It's not necessarily like the distraction, but again, remember that they process information. They process things through non-congruent processing or non-congruent thinking. They like that change element. They like that exception. They like sometimes being attracted to the shiny object And so my job when sometimes working with mismatchers is to dangle that shiny object in such a way that it feels different and unique enough for them to go after it. And so the fifth one is the generality versus the specifics or those people who are very, very general or very, very specific. So a a question or a test question might be, do you want a big picture Do you want the big picture or do you want the details? Do you want the whole story or just the summary? 
like I'll sort of put them out there like I've got a buffet or a happy meal box. How do you want me to deliver the information to you? How much do you need? Often when I'm doing training and coaching with companies and teams, I'll say, do you need a weekend seminar or do you need a, a sort of a lunch and learn? Now, the decision maker may say, I just want a lunch and learn. I'm like, oh, you're, okay, got you. But how does your team learn best? How does your company work best? How does your family organization faith group work best? Because understand that there are going to be different people in different mixes. And so maybe we need to do a combination of those kind of things. So do you want the big picture or do you want the details? The generalist looks at the big picture. They just want to hear the idea but not read the contract. This, the, the person that works in specific, I'm not going to get that word right. It's in my head and now it's lost. The specifics will ask for the contract. We'll want to read the contract before they even hear the big idea. The generalists get caught up in big picture thinking sometimes those people that are that are focused on the specifics get caught up in the details and don't bore one with the other. If you went into a generalist and sometimes they're very high D personalities on the disc profile and started reading the contract word for word for word for word, you'd lose the deal. When I work with people and coaching clients and I recognize that they're a generalist and they like the big picture and I start to drill, drill, drill and teach, 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 I can feel the energy shift. I can feel them drain out. I can feel their energy go away. Other people say, here's what you need to do. And they'll say, and then what? I'm like, ah, you're somebody that needs specific. You're somebody that needs the details. You're somebody that wants to know the order and organization of what we're doing. I can provide that. So don't bore the generalist with minor details. And don't leave the person that seeks specifics in doubt about the, the steps required to create the big picture. So let's quickly review the five types. There's the towards and away, the internal or external, the possibility or necessity, the matcher or the mismatcher, and then the generalist and the specific. When you look at your team, when you look at your spouse, when you look at your friends and your families and your coworkers and those people that you're going into partnership, having an awareness of these five types of decision makers or decision-making processes will allow you to begin to change the message you're delivering. Now, notice I said change the message that you're delivering because we can't use the same lecture, the same talk, the same process for every single person. I work with a lot of, as a coach, with a lot of people in the sales industry, specifically real estate, because I've built and worked and built other great big teams, high-performance teams, and one of the things I teach them is they have to learn to mimic and match or mirror and match, but they also need to be able to understand and identify who their client is and how their client operates. So if I'm going on a listing presentation, and those of the, you in the real estate world will understand, the rest of you just translate listing presentation to sales presentation, I might say, what are the three things that I need to answer for you for you to make a decision to move forward. So what are the three questions that I need to answer for you in order for you to make a decision to move forward? And based on the way they respond, I can pretty much start to be like, okay, you know, the, the generalist will say, well, just tell me what you're going to do. I, I, I don't have time to know the details. I just want to know what you're going to do. 
What do you think people are going to think about this? Like, is this what everybody else does? Okay, will this get us to where we need to go? I just described a generalist that is external, and they're moving towards something. So now when I heard those three things click through my head, I'm like, ah, got it. I need to keep it big picture. I need to explain to you from a reference point of what other people, other ideas, like externally, how this is going to look, how this is going to happen, how other people have made the decision to choose me, work with me, deal with me, whatever. And then I got to show you where we're going to go, that possibility towards the next thing, next level thinking. Now, if they had said, well, I want to know how many days, blah, 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 blah. The first question they might have asked was very detailed. And then the second was like, well, how do I know that you're the right person? Okay, now I hear the internal person coming up. And they might say something along the lines of, you know, I really just don't want to get burned again. The last time this happened, oh, my gosh, this was so hard and so difficult. And I hear all the, they're focused on the pain. And my job is to move them away. From, okay, I know who I've got, the internal, away, specific person. How am I going to communicate? How am I going to address? How am I going to work with them? Completely different story. So take time today. Go over these again. Listen to this podcast a few times. Start to see this play out around you. Use some, excuse me, use some of the test questions I provided you and just sort of play them out among your family or coworker, spouse, whatever you're doing. Start to recognize these people because everything that you do is about communication. Everything you do is about communicating with the intent to influence. And so when you can connect and communicate at a higher level, you're more successful, whether it's in your personal relationships, whether it's in your business, whatever you're doing. So I encourage you to take time and, and really listen to it and study it. And part of this comes, this knowledge comes from just my personal learning, but as well as from the training that I've received. And I also, as some of you might know, I, I do DISC, which is a personality assessment kind of tool that I work with individuals and teams it helps identify how they respond to situations, how they present themselves in situations. So if you want to be successful in the world, you've got to start understanding the people that are around and utilizing the tools to do it at a higher level more effectively. And that's why I do this thing called Success Life Radio every day. And then I do a little summary kind of thing or similar kind of thing every weekday on my Facebook channel. So if you want to join me at 8 a.m. Eastern for Success Life Live, that's each weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. And then we do the podcast weekly. And uh, if you haven't checked out the blog, maybe you want to jump over to ericgreed.com and do that. So there's a lot of resources available for you to be successful. And that's ultimately my goal is to help you be more successful in living into your life, more fully engaged and more intentionally. So until we get together next week, go out and live your life worthy of success. You are worthy of it. You simply need to just step into it.